in a world. Mate, hold up. We said we're done with the serious intros. Who said? Well, we did. I don't remember that. Well, I said it, and you're me, so, you know. Well, I don't care. In a world. Hey, I told you. We're keeping it light. You do it on your own, then. Well, technically, I already am, so. Anyway, fuck yeah, pure wild flight. Get it down, yeah. How good? Visit nzaerosports.com. I get to do the next one. Well, obviously, you moron, we both do. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I better sew her a new one. What a sentence, and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Face I've not seen in a long time. And when it took a little while to get us connected, but we're here now. So tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? Uh, I'm Trunk and I run a company called Hypoxic who makes uh, camera gear for extreme sports. Uh, professional videographer and make a bunch of the camera gear that most of the skydiving videographers use. Nice. Hypoxic, first off, is the, one of the coolest fucking names for any company ever. I remember the first time I saw a hypoxic sticker and I'm like, whoever made that's genius. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you a story about, about that one if you want, about how, where that all came from. But Oh, we'll definitely um, get there for sure. I'm going to jump you back to the beginning before we get that far. But absolutely, I want to know about that because that's one that I remember, like I said, seeing and going, holy shit, what a great name. Yeah, it, it's it's awesome. It's very fitting for the sport. We all want to get up high, and uh, you know, <laughs> as we get up high, you get hypoxic. So yeah, man. So um, speaking of, let's let's jump you all the way back to the beginning of not necessarily just skydiving, but anything you know, so called extreme that, that you got into. Um, well, basically, like I, I I grew up skiing and snowboarding, and then uh, in college, I really wanted to go skydiving. You know, 
and I, I did a, what was it called? A stag line jump in like 98 or whatever it was, 1998. And of course in college, I couldn't afford it. And then once I got my real job, had a kind of a bad day at work, started just uh, said, screw it, let's go skydiving. <laughs> and uh, didn't really have all the money for it yet at that time. But like all of us did put it on credit cards until you could afford it. And then the next thing I know is, um, you know, it's history. Yeah. yeah. Now where, where was this? Where was your first jump at? Uh, my first jump was in, in, uh, in New York, upstate New York. I went to school in upstate New York and Rochester, New York. And then, uh, but like, I didn't start skydiving until Coolidge basically out here in Arizona. So, okay, cool. It was now, kind of Coolidge. what, uh, what did you go to school for? Uh, electrical engineering. So I was, went to RIT for electrical that's, engineering. That's, uh, that's dramatically different than, uh, hucking yourself out of airplanes every day. That's, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much a nerd, you know, I've always been a nerd. I, I wish I could find one of my first photos of me in the, that they took when I got my AFF because I was definitely <laughs> looking very nerdy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember seeing, uh, cause I, I follow you on social media and stuff. And, and uh, uh, we used to run in the same relative circles uh, back when I was flying for CSC, I think in 2009 ish, eight or nine, right around then. And uh, um, so I followed you tinkering around and I'd see electronics and you're soldering this and fucking with that. And so I, I always got kind of curious as to what was going on. And clearly now I know it all started because you went to school specifically for that. Yeah. Yeah. I went to school for that and then started working uh, at a company that makes a bunch of the microcontrollers that are in your, your like, say your Cypress or in your, your uh, automobile altimeter or your microwave and some of that. So that was my, my day-to-day job. So now, when you got started in skydiving, did you think when you, you know, went out and made that first jump and and thought about uh, getting licensed that your day to day job would have any relevance in a sport that was jumping? Absolutely out of not. Absolutely not. I thought it was just going to be a hobby, and you know, like like anything, you start start making product for it, and uh, the next thing you know, people start buying it. The next thing you know, is you're making more money doing that than you're. Uh, your your day to day job. So. Yeah. Well, now, so when you got started in jumping, you said you you did your static line in upstate New York, uh, yeah. but you didn't start jumping in earnest until you went to Coolidge. Yeah. So how did so that come about? about? Uh, like I said, I think it was kind of like a, you know, kind of a bad day at work, and I was just like, ah, uh, screw. It. I I just kind of was, you know, I need something, so I'm like, ah, oh, screw it, let's go sign up for skydiving this weekend, and I, uh, you know, the next thing is history. I I called around. There was. You know, I called around to Sky of Arizona, to Coolidge, and uh, whatever the other drop zones were in the area. And the lady I spoke to was uh, very receptive of my questions and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, cool, I'm going to go there. And I went there and um, jumped there for many years until uh, Mark Hogue sold it to CPS, who's doing TTF there now. Um, and then worked with him a little bit. And then ended up going over to uh, Sky of Arizona. Um and now that's where I call my home. But obviously, like most of us, we uh, travel around a lot. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, how did the um, for somebody that studied electrical engineering and you're a self-proclaimed nerd, how did uh, going into something that can be as physical as skydiving? How did you slide into that? Was it difficult or or were you a relatively physical guy as well? I mean, I was fairly physical. Um, like I would like I said, I was snowboarding a lot when I was younger. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have, if anybody see me, I have a couple extra pounds on me. <laughs> I'm not as uh, skinny as some of the other guys. But, uh, I, you know, I think I picked it up pretty well. Um, I didn't, you know, I wasn't as uh, quick to learn as somebody say, like my fiance, Julie, like where she's just, you know, you give her 
hey, do this with your body. She said, immediately do it. Like it was a little <laughs> bit more of a struggle. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, along the you know, it's only taken me twenty something years. I'm starting to figure some things out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, I'm right there with you. Believe me. Well, now, so when you you, you become a, a skydiver, you're you're getting through your student stuff, and and at what point did you think, all right, there's there's a little bit of money to be made here as well, or was it I'm going to work in the sport, or were you going to compete, or were you just a fun jumper? So it was a fun jumper, and then. Uh, Obviously, like a lot of us uh, in smaller drop zones, I they needed more video guys. So I like through like I think I was, you know, it's one of those like do as I say, not as I do. I was one of those younger jumpers that probably put a camera on. I know I put a camera on way too way too early in my career. Yeah. Um, and since I'm such a spaz, you know, I kept on like you know, you know, not getting the video or not doing the photos and stuff like that. So I started making gear to you know help alleviate that, uh, and that's when I started making electronics for it. So I kind of did start working in the, in the sport by uh, making or start doing tandem videos and stuff like that. But really, that kind of led me to make pod so I would, you know, do it better. I was going to say, um, as soon as you said you started uh, shooting video as your entrance to the sport, that's the same way I got in. And I think you and I are pretty much the same generation. I put a camera on my head way too fucking early, but yeah. you could do it back then. Um, but it's funny that you say you started coming up with equipment to help keep you from fucking things up. Cause just like you, I was, you'd get in the plane and you're on load six and you forgot your roll of still film. This is back when yeah. you actually still had to put film in a fucking camera and stuff like that. And so you must've thought, holy shit, this is where my real life comes into play in this. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like merging my two loves. Like, I love electronics. I love, like, hacking things. I like designing stuff. And I love, you know, skydiving. And so it definitely was merging the two. Um, and I, thankfully, it started taking off. Uh, not necessarily right away. I think I did that in 2006, like, where I started making, like, products for it. But uh, actually, no, 2006 is when I started, when I launched uh, Hypoxic fully. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, so I was making electronics for for quite a while. Now, and I'm on I'm assuming uh, you, note of, you please sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. On a note about that is about, you know, I, I did start, you know, shooting video earlier and obviously I tell people they really shouldn't because I've spent probably close to twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 in the tunnel trying to unlearn all those horrible habits I learned in the sky because, you know, I didn't really even know how to fly my belly correctly. And here I am shooting tandem videos and like getting a shot, but not doing it correctly. So it's, yeah, you could do it that way, but it's a really bad idea. So. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's putting the cart before the horse for sure. Yeah, and I did the same thing again. I think we were kind of that generation that uh, um, you just went out and fucking did it and learned your lessons as you went along, and you got a few tips here and there. But we had to figure shit out a lot on our own. Um, I mean, even for guys like me that have no idea what the fuck I'm doing when it comes to electronics, the first camera helmet you build. You got to figure out how to hook everything up. You got to figure out how to put the the bite switch or whatever type of switch you're using to to fire off the stills, all of that stuff. And it's it's hit or miss. So you must have thought, holy shit, this is exactly what I know how to do. I mean, you must have loved that. Yeah, I, it's it was fun. It was definitely a good time. And, uh, you know, I remember the first time you, you drilled your camera helmet that you just bought. And you're like, oh, my gosh, am I really doing this in a $400 camera helmet? Right. Uh, and all that kind of stuff where you just, it's, yeah, 
God, that's some memories, man. I mean, uh, fuck, I remember the insane anxiety of, yeah, taking a drill bit to the $1,100 fucking Pararaptor that I had just bought, you know, this <laughs> brand new shiny thing. And you're like, fuck, I got to drill a hole in this? Oh, no. I mean, still, for, for you, it must have been a lot more uh, um, uh, of an easy step to be able to set things up. And I'm guessing you became the go-to guy for anybody putting camera equipment together back when you got started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started, you know, people, you know, even before I could fly properly, people always came to me. So that was the thing. It's like, I feel like I'm the opposite of most people where people came to me about, you know, the gear and stuff like that. It took me many, many years to like, you know, be able to fly correctly and, and get the shot that I want and produce a product that I think is, is, you know, as well, it's good. You know, it's getting published sure. all the time and some of that. So. Sure. Well, now, as you uh, obviously you continued on and you continue to to do this stuff for yourself and help those around you. But like you said, you eventually ended up doing enough that you decided to launch a company. So first mm -hmm. off, tell me how uh, you came up with where did the decision come to actually start putting it together as a company? And then, of course, where did the name come from? Well, I mean, I think it was a pretty easy thing. I started making the little indicator lights that were just back in the day. There used to be a company called Kami that made, you know, the indicator light and the push button. Yeah. But the you know the push button was a little bit, uh, it was it was kind of redundant. Like you had the push button on your camera that you could just flip back and hit record. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm just gonna make a dummy light. You know, it was pretty easy. So I started making that, started selling that. And I'm like, oh, I should do this right. I should make a company. You know, and so. That that was pretty easy uh, to do. It wasn't everything about hypoxic was always kind of like, eh, I guess I'll do this. You know, it never was like let's let's you know plan everything out type of thing. It's kind of like the normal like like how everything I do in my life where it's just like, okay, well actually I do plan out some things, but you know it kind of just flew flowed. It wasn't like a uh, woke up one day, hey, I'm going to start a company. It's just kind of like just oh, I guess I'll try this. You know what right. what, what I got to lose. Um, but the funny thing is the the uh, the name hypoxic was uh, uh one day um I think we're doing their night jumps and the uh, night jump briefing back in the day I'm sure I'm not probably still does it but they talk about hypoxia about like you know as the, as nighttime you you know some of the effects of hypoxia are are easier to determine like a, with your night vision and stuff like that sure and they they go through the whole lowdown and like you know and uh, pretty much you start. Uh, looking like trunk looks all the time and then you know everybody looks over me and i'm just like a little like droopy eye and stuff like that and like you know kind of look like i was messed up or whatnot and like ah oh, like and so like then it was like oh yeah trunk get hypoxic and so it kind of um you know, oh, nice well so when your your uh paths cross with mine um we were both at csc i think you were uh, i don't know if you were running around doing boogie stuff or you were living in chicago area at the time or i think yeah, um, I was doing the boogie tour at that time. Nice, so, nice. 2010, I believe. Maybe. It, it's it like 2009 or 10, right around that. Yeah. Um, but uh, the trunk that I knew was in full party boogie mode. Uh, <laughs> so that's the trunk that I met. And it took a while for me to merge the two together because the first time I saw all the electronic stuff and then tried to picture the trunk that I had met in CSC, I'm like, there can't be two guys named Trunk in skydiving, can there? it's funny i get that a lot where it's like <laughs> it's like everyone's like oh wait this is this is drunk yeah he likes to have a beer with us at the end of the day you know and then they're like oh wait no but he kind of knows what he's doing about electronics and so that so yeah even uh i was doing an event with uh, craig gerard and he, that's how he announced me uh 
introduced me to the Norwegians. He's like, yeah, this is, this is the one guy. <laughs> the other guy is a really smart guy that does all these gear for cameras. So, Well, I think, I suppose skydiving is a sport where you're kind of allowed to have an alter ego, right? Because yeah. there's, yeah. there's the fucking people that show up in the morning for first load and then jump their asses off professionally and safely all day long. And then there's the ones that show up as soon as the fucking beer light goes on. Yeah. And they're definitely not always the same person. It's funny now. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually like, I'm starting to become the, the the morning person. The more and more you work in this sport now, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's nine o'clock. It's time to go to bed. Right. To like right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, we both been in the sport for quite a long time. I think I did my first jump in 96. And, you know, I mean, you, 25, 26, 27 years into a sport, you're going to start having a slightly different view. <laughs> you're gonna have to slow down a little bit yeah man yeah. there's no way i could go hardcore on the boogie circuit like everybody did back then uh, i have now, no idea yeah, i couldn't do it today's now so now were you uh doing the boogie thing you were doing it for hypoxic yeah 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 so basically um if you want the background about like, please where that all came from. yeah so i uh i think 2009 or something like that i was uh, basically realized that I was making more money doing hypoxic than I was my, my real job. And I was like, I've always wanted to do the boogie tour. And um, basically I was like, well, why don't I do this full time? So I, I quit my job. And then I uh, had a girl at the time that I wanted to spend more time with. And I'm like, I've always wanted to do the boogie tour. Why don't we go get an RV tour around the country, do all the boogies this summer, you know, type of thing. And I put it together in like about two months, you know, buying an RV, buying a truck, and then, you know, getting it ready so that I could work from the road and uh, I thought I was going to work from the road. I really didn't work on the road at all. <laughs> Basically, just it's really difficult. Uh, went from an event to event to event to event, and uh, just boogied the whole summer long. And that's kind of you know. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. honestly, unless you're um, going from boogie to boogie to jump, there's not going to be a whole lot of work going on. I mean, it's. Yeah. How, how do you how do you step away from a boogie to go back to your RV to to solder electronics? Yeah, and, and everybody, it's it's like the funny thing, the inside joke I think among all the vendors is it's every place you go to is their biggest party of the year. So it's like it's the biggest party of the year, and you're like, man, I'm like, I've been doing this all all summer long. I don't know yep. if I can handle. Yeah, I I think uh, I worked to uh, I worked cross keys for a few years, as anybody that's listened to the podcast knows. And I think cross keys was the only place that it'd have a boogie or an event that you could kind of almost guarantee it really was <laughs> the biggest of the year. I had the um, cola from Blue Skies and Egon Sussman, who used to uh, work for Relative Workshop, had come out when they were uh, on the boogie tour, and both of them like tapped out because it was just a little too big yeah. cola high <laughs> <laughs> it was it was good times now what was the, your very first um product out was a, an indicator light just to, to for for those that are, are relatively new in the sport the, yeah. or don't shoot video that indicator light did what so um i think my first my first couple products out were like the high i think it was I think I called it the high bite. Yeah. So um, basically just when we had the Sony cameras, we had them in a box and, and you didn't have like a light that people could look at very easily. So I made a little dummy light so that it would just stick in front of your eyes and show you like the size of the camera. Uh, red for record, 
um, blue for standby and yellow if there was a problem with the camera. And when we started out with like mini DV tapes, you know, we had problems all the time. People complain about all these GoPros having problems. Like, dude, you don't even know. I mean, we we had to like use, you know, car cleaners and everything like that uh, back in the day. And um, so that's what I made. I made all these like dummy lights for these for these cameras. Uh, and then what ended up happening is Sony changed their port and I was able to find a manufacturer that could make me the connector for it. And then I... Um, so I made those the indicators for the brand new Sony's, and you know, we, before GoPros, everybody had to jump these big, big cameras, mm. and a lot of people did, like a lot of free flyers did. So everybody was jumping these, and they all needed my indicator lights. Yeah, and so obviously, like I, I made it, I had a contract manufacturer that could produce them for me, and I, I sold a lot of them. I sold them enough to uh, quit my day job, pretty much, uh, and and what we call living the dream, you know, doing the boogie tour and stuff like that. I mean, it really um, is, right? I mean, to to be able to come up with a, a product that drew from your day-to-day life that allowed you the ability to go enjoy the irresponsible life of a fucking yeah. boogie guy is kind of fucking cool. Right, yeah, it was cool, man. I, I enjoyed it and did that for about two years. And I'm like, oh, wait, this is the cameras are changing. People are going to GoPros. It was so funny because, like I said, I don't really plan things. Like, I'll tell people like it is, like, even if it's a, a, against my company. Like, I was a big proponent of the GoPros back back in 2011 or like or 12. I'm like, oh these cameras, they're gonna get better and better and better. And like, you know, um, you know, just you kind of wait. And I was a kind of a bigger proponent for them than I should have been because it was against my company and my 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 income. <laughs> right. But uh you know eventually people started going to GoPros so I had to start creating stuff for them. Sure. Well now especially because of your your training in the field that you come from i'm guessing you track what's up and coming pretty closely if it affects your industry and it would fit in skydiving you know yeah you know i I try to be not necessarily the guru but yeah like i definitely research everything that's coming out try to be on top of it um know what's going on so i you know can be that that person that, so that has I, all the answers. I mean, I see the the stuff that you put out, and I mean, you're the guy that can take a fucking GoPro apart and know what he's looking at, right? Yeah, uh, GoPro sometimes likes me, sometimes doesn't, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm one of the few people that kind of know their insides in and out. Uh, you know, I can show you on my desk right now. There's a bunch of GoPros that are apart here, but uh, yeah, and that's allowed me to basically not only. Uh, you know, have my products interact with them, but also uh, know exactly what's going on and like where the faults lie. And, and sure. Well, now, so do you do you ever consult with or work with companies like GoPro and go, hey, on this product, I'm trying to do this, that, or the other? Do you have to? Or um, so they have. Yeah, the, the, there's a long story there. I don't know if we want to go into. Um, yeah, our, our, I used to work well with GoPro, and then like they kind of took all the mom and pops and said, Hey, we're, we're no longer going to work directly with you guys anymore. Uh, and then I wanted to create a product to interact with their, with their cameras. Then they had a developer program. It, it was kind of a pain, uh, kind of this whole like thing. And in the end, like we kind of butted heads pretty bad. So mm. we're, you know, well, because you're kind of having to, whether it be GoPro or anything that you're trying to make a product that works with it, you're having to reverse engineer someone else's product to be able to incorporate what you want to do with it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which is totally legal, which is totally legal if you're using it for interoperability with your own product. So it's, uh, 
it's not against the rules for me to do right. it, but uh, you know, it's also kind of a great line sometimes for some of these companies. Yeah, well, and it's unfortunate though that a, that a, and we'll say GoPro, but I mean any company that's got something, whatever whatever kind of camera, whatever that you're trying to integrate with, that they wouldn't want to work with someone that's just going to bring up the profile of their own yeah. equipment, right? And, and they're starting to do that now. They, they, it's only took them what to 15 years to realize like, Oh wait, maybe we should work with these guys and like, let it, let it be known. And you know, it's, 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 it's making their ecosystem like that much more powerful and that much more, you know, wanted. Yeah. So. I would think so. Right. Because I mean, yeah. for all the GoPro stuff that I see that's, you know, put out on their social media and all the commercials and all the shit that they lay out there, a fair amount of it is skydiving and base jumping. I mean, like a large portion of it and all of that would benefit towards stuff geared specifically towards people that are hucking themselves off of cliffs or out of airplanes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it seems to me that it would make a lot of sense to work directly with people like you. Yeah. And they're starting to a little bit, they're starting to work with everybody, which is good. Which is good to see. Nice. Nice. Um, now, when you got started with all this, uh, obviously you you started to do well enough that you were able to walk away from your day job. But was it a, I'll ride this as long as I can, and then eventually I'll end up going back to you know the nine to five, or were you like, nope, this is me now? I mean, there's been times lately, recently, with just like uh, I would say for the past like like five years, I've kind of been toying with going back to corporate America just because like what they were paying people like me that have the skill set, like especially with reverse engineering and, and breaking cryptography and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I could be probably making three times as much as I'm making with Hypox right now. Um, but then again, you know, like I was able to, I've been jumping all, all month long, just, you know, getting, doing like, and you can't really do that when you're working for corporate America. You can't really take a Tuesday off to go jump for, you know, for a group or something like that. So, well, that's the thing, right? Um, I mean, and it's been discussed a, a thousand times on the podcast is that uh, we get to live a lifestyle that people with a shitload more money dream about living just because we're in the industry. So money's far from everything. Yeah. There's so many people out there that have tons of money, but don't, don't live their life, you know, don't, you know. Or, or well, saving it for retirement, but they have no idea how to retire. So they're just sitting at home reading books, you know, for the retirement versus doing all their traveling dreams that they had as a kid because they're, you know. Have, Absolutely. Have well, and enough. when you're able to do something like you've done, you're you're kind of having to get rid of the concept of retirement because you're you're doing your all your living and retiring all at the same right. time, I'm, which has got to be cool. Now, was yeah, I, I always say that I retired. I I always say that I retired when I was young. (laughs) You know, like I like I had my I did the boogie tour. I did all that stuff. I enjoyed my life. Like I'm still enjoying my life, but I like kind of like uh, did all that retirement stuff when I was super young. Did like my dream, like you know, of of doing the boogie tour. And now now I could like kind of work and slow it down a little bit. (laughs) Sure. Now, what did the what did the family think of all this stuff when it uh, turned into skydiving? When you went from this, you know the the path the path that we were all fucking told we were supposed to take and all of a sudden now you're jumping out of airplanes you know i i think they were just be you know be careful um and uh i think they uh they have faith in me so like you know obviously they're they're like oh yeah it's all good i, I think everyone's well nowadays they're like oh, come on you're I'm 43 now. They're like, come on, you're 43. It's just, you know, you know, it's just a phase, you know, type of thing. But now it's like just yeah, a really, just a, phase. a really long phase. 
<laughs> hey, believe me, I'm exactly the same way. I just managed to make a phase pay for, you know, it, right. it, it, it got me through. Now, in regard to your jumping, did you ever have aspirations for doing stuff like competing and, and anything like that? Or was it all, did it just transition into this type of work? You know, like, uh, you know, I listen to like you know Jay Russ's podcast and some other people's and like they're they're very ambitious of a competition and stuff like that. And I'm really not a that competitive a person. Like it's just not my blood. I, I really I enjoy taking the photos. I enjoy um, you know, so I'm not a super competitive person. With that being said, you know, like when when my fiance Julie, like, you know, we done freestyle, we competed in freestyle before, and I I I enjoy that with her. You know, I think that's fun. You know, it, competition's really good to like focus your or actually the, you know, the work to to become competitive allows you to focus your, your skill set and like really you ever find it and get better. Um, and so I really like competing for that reason where I feel like every time you, you, you compete or, or work on the progress and compete or train, uh, you know, you just get better and better and better and better. Sure. Um, sure. So, um, I think I'm going to do a little bit more like, you know, four way video and eight way video, that kind of stuff, because, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, you know, for me. Sure. Um, I don't know if I want to travel every weekend like some of these four-way teams do, uh, but uh, yeah, well, I wouldn't mind. I mean, they go super hardcore to, to get into that level of competition. Yeah. And I it's mean, super expensive. Man. It's, oh, it's yes. Like, yeah. It's crazy. That's the thing, right? Is I mean, people say it's expensive to be a skydiver, which it is, but to be a competitive skydiver, uh, holy shit, man. Yeah, between like 15 grand or so at least for for even like an advanced or you know team like just you know, yeah yeah it's crazy money insane. so basically what you've done is you've been able to to parlay your your work um in your chosen educational field and take that to skydiving and be a fun jumper as well yeah and i you know i pretty much have spent my whole summer just going around boogies and boogies and shooting the boogies um, and I'm not necessarily partying as much as I used to, you know, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, still, still enjoy going out there, especially, uh, you know, my fiance, Julie, like she, she organizes out all the video and stuff and, um, you know, it, it works out well. Nice. And I've been doing, been doing a lot of big ways lately, uh, with Doug Barron and, and like, uh, all American big ways in Arizona airspeed, uh, down here in, in Arizona. So oh, you're a big way shoot, guy. Yeah. I've been shooting a lot of big ways in these past couple of months. So. Or basically, past two years, I've been shooting a lot of big ways. So you know, it's funny. There's a there's an allure to shooting a big way or being on a big way, but there's also, at least from my perspective, a shitload of fear too. I mean, holy crap! That's there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and uh, you know, you you see so much so much stuff about uh, uh, belly flyers and stuff like that, and like anybody who says that has not been like. Like a fly on the wall at a big way camp or watching this stuff or watching what they have to do. You know, it's, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. Like I, I'm sure. lucky. I, I get to be a fly on the wall for, you know, Arizona airspeed and uh, all American big ways and just like listen to these debriefs and listen to all these, you know, the ways they're telling people to approach and stuff like that. And you know, sure. it's, it, there's a lot to it. You know, there's, there's a ton to it. Did you ever find that uh, your experience in being able to do stuff like set up camera helmets and give tips to to experienced jumpers on how to do the electronics and all this got you in a position where you were over your head jumping because they assumed anybody that knew that much about, you know, camera equipment and all that shit must absolutely know his way around the sky? Uh, I mean, not, not really. I like, 
Ebs, like I, I, my skill levels goes like, you know, I've been like all of us. We've been jumping for so long. Like sometimes you're not as current as you should be, you know, for some of these things. Um, But I think I, I, I can handle pretty much any type of skydive. Like, well, not necessarily angles, but like, you know, like basically like all the, uh, all the, all the bigger ways, stuff like that. Um, you know, from uh, head up and and uh, sure flying. But yeah, I think when I first started out, like there was sometimes where, oh yeah, let's uh, have you actually fly in your belly. I'm like, ooh, how do we do this without wings? I have no right. idea. Right? All right. I always used to find that because I I was a, a tandem rat man. I was I was hauling meat from almost the beginning, and and uh, people would ask how many jumps I had, and you know I'd have what ten, eleven thousand jumps at the time, and they'd assume somebody with that many jumps must be able to fly in any type of way. And I found myself on jumps a few more than a few times where I'm like, Oh no guys, I just yeah. threw droves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm not that guy. <laughs> yeah. As long as I'm video, I'm, I'm fine. I don't know if you want me to touch people. I don't know if I know how to do that, but. Well, I was just like you, right? I mean, uh, I started shooting videos so early that uh, I think the first time I ever saw somebody uh, had shot outside video of me, the first time I ever saw myself flying, shooting a video, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Because it's just in these bizarre body positions and doing whatever you got to do to get the shot. And you look at your video and you're like, all right, it's a great video, but holy shit, what am I doing? That's some strange flying. Man, I have, I have. My skills have um, just my flying in the past year from shooting all these big waves and having outside video of people. Like I'm like, I'm constantly watching my exits, like for the plane from the other videographer. I'm like, Oh cool. I should be doing that. Why am I doing that? And like, just like, I've gotten so much more refined and like even the past two months, like it's just, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> like, you know, I've been the sport 20 something years and like, now, you know, keep on learning. You know, That's the cool thing about yeah. the sport though. Right. Is there's always something to learn. Yeah, I thought I knew how to fly, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's exactly like, let's just change this. Why, why am I doing that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think skydiving a lot like the electronics and stuff that we're using evolves so quickly. You know, I mean, the level of, of flying ability now because of the tunnels and all of this stuff is just it's through the roof, you know, I mean, the technology of the tunnel and then the technology of the canopies have taken the sport of skydiving to more than a few next levels. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, funny. Craig was working with uh, Craig Gerard this past week, and he was pulling up videos from like a couple years ago. I'm like, oh my god, that looks awful. Like, how did you guys even see the grips back then? You know, like, even... <laughs> yeah. Now, do you do do you see anything on the horizon coming, uh, technology wise, that skydivers are going to start uh, uh, being attracted to or putting use in? I think the big thing in the next couple of years is we're going to see a lot more people publishing in, in vertical video or, or actually recording a vertical video. Um, I know all the older people are like, oh, you got to be like landscape mode. You got to like, you know, people are going to watch it on TV. And nobody, everybody's on their phone all, all day long watching footage and stuff like that. So I think the biggest thing is that our clients and customers are going to be wanting, uh, you know, vertical vertical footage for their for the social media. As far as technology, um, I mean, yeah. What I would like to see is just cameras being super reliable, and for some reason, cameras have, are still not 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 great, like super reliable. I think a lot of it has to be do with like the temperatures where you know the temperatures were changing up. Like if you're going very high at altitude, uh, it gets cold up there. The lithium ion batteries don't like it that much. Um, sure, but yeah, 
uh, just uh, reliable cameras and stuff. I think it's what what we want. Well, I mean, clearly the the vertical video for the social media era that we're living in, I mean, uh, just trying to produce, uh, you know, these reels and quick snippets, if it's, it's been shot in landscape mode, it's almost fucking useless trying to get a reel out of it because it's zoomed in and it's all weird and yeah. you have to format the living hell out of it. So I would have thought that stuff would have been coming along much sooner. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things until people are explicit about it. Uh, which I I was on a couple of forums. Uh, I'm seeing a lot more. I think we're going to see it a lot more this season. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm like, hey, if you guys are not looking into this, pretty much, uh, you know, on the uh, camera phone, second, we have a helicopter going over. <laughs> but pretty much in all these um, social media groups and some of that uh, for camera flyers, I've been saying, hey, like guys, you're know, looking to, uh, or at least say that you can have vertical video as an option. Sure. I think you're going forward. People are going to going to see what it does and hopefully start doing that. I'm waiting for the day that they uh, say that they're releasing um, contact lenses that work as fucking cameras. Yeah. <laughs> it's someday. Yeah. I mean, they have the, the, the glasses that do it right now, but it's, you know, it all, it all turns into, you need a, you need a big lens to, to allow enough light in. Uh, luckily our sensors are getting pretty, uh, pretty sensitive. So sure. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny too. You being on the on the tech side of things, um, I'm sure you see that the the pace has been quite fast. But for guys like me and you as well, that we're shooting with those massive old cameras that have neck and back problems from too many fucking hard openings and all this shit, man, it's it got small too damn late for us. Yeah, yeah, but our still cameras are still look heavy. You know, my. I have I have three cameras on my GoPro on my uh, helmet right now. Uh, I have uh, a primary, a secondary, uh, basic GoPro in landscape mode, and then a, a vertical camera. And then I got my still camera. So those cameras weigh nothing. But my still camera, you know, you're still you're still not gonna, you know, if you want really high quality stills, you're still gonna have some weight there just because of the the size of the lens and like the glass that's in there. For sure, uh, unfortunately. And the nice thing about it, and like this is kind of like the unspoken th- role, is like I love having light helmets, which is great, you know, especially you know for openings. And hopefully, all camera flyers that are jumping big cameras are flying really good opening canopies. Um, but uh, having that weight on your head actually dampens the vibration. So if you have like just two GoPros or something like that, like you, it's really easy for a lot of shake to occur. But sure. once you actually have some some weight on there, it does dampen that vibration. So it's kind of like. You kind of want some weight, but you don't, you know. So. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. You can't see uh, if you're just listening to the podcast, but Trunk, you can see I've got a scar that runs all across my entire neck from all the the cervical surgeries I've had yeah. because of that weight stabilizing. <laughs> it, it's crazy. Uh, were you wearing a side mount camera back when that happened? No, man. Actually, I had oh, this that one? you see right there, Pararaptor. The, uh, oh. This was just before the, the original Sidewinder came out. Um, I just had a bunch of shit hard openings. I mean, this was, again, I started shooting video and this will really age me, um, on my F 111 PD 190. 
I mean, that's when I started shooting videos. So it was a train wreck every time for a long time. Um, yeah, and then and so you're I, young, you don't care. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. rubber bones. And, and okay, yeah, it hurt for a little while, but it's fine. But then you get older and those discs that you blew out, God knows how many times just won't take it anymore. You know? Yeah. Oh, well. I, I, I have the same, like, well, not nearly as bad as you, but definitely some bone spurs on my neck and stuff like that from, from that. And a lot of it to my, like, we had the side mounted cameras, man. That was just such a bad idea. Like every opening year, like king to one side. And it yeah. Was, you know, it, it, I, I, I was, I was far enough along in shooting video when the sidewinder came out that it made me nervous knowing some of the hard openings that I'd already had. And I could not imagine, you know, having my head yank hard to the left or to the right um, and much preferred. So I always stayed with the, the top mounted cameras. Always, always. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, save my what what's left of my neck anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's. Yeah. Oh it's well, bad, man. you pay to play, man. Eventually, you pay yeah. to play. <laughs> so tell everybody as we get towards the end of things um, how they can find out uh, about uh, Hypoxic the company, how they can find out about products, uh, what might be coming up, all the stuff that you've got got going on. How do they follow you, and how do they uh, reach out to you? All right, cool. Um, so basically, like, get hypoxic is is me on Instagram and uh, on Facebook and stuff like that. Uh, that's how like, and my website is gethypoxic.com. and I have a bunch of cool products. I have a uh, the Bluetooth Light series, which is like uh, indicators for the GoPro camera. So it works off of Bluetooth low energy and basically uses no power at all or very low power, and shows you the status of your of your GoPro. So I have one for the Bluetooth Pros, one for like open face helmets, which has an LED that just goes in front of your eyes. And change the status of the camera, like red for record, blue for standby, yellow if there's a problem. And then I have this awesome new product called the Bluetooth Light that just sticks on your visor. And like all that does is uh, sticks on your visor and changes the status of your GoPro. And it has a little coin cell battery in there that you replace it once every six months. And it shows you like that your camera is recording and you don't have to be that guy asking, hey, am I recording? Um, and it also will show you if your uh, battery is running low or if your car space is running low, or more importantly, you're in the wrong mode, which a lot of skydivers do, where they're, you know, they accidentally uh, hit the button twice and it, you know, shoots into photo mode and you get down on the ground and you have one photo taken. So that's a, a new product I just released called Bluetooth Lite, and that should, uh, you could buy that from our, our website, gethypoxic.com. That's fucking awesome. And, yeah. I actually you just you just brought up an uh, a question that I've always wanted to ask about the GoPros. Why the fuck is it so confusing to switch modes if you're not looking at it? Why don't they just can't they have two buttons? <laughs> two, I mean, two buttons that feel different. You push this one, you push that one. It's so confusing to me, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I mean, it's, it's just me. It's it's you know, it's one of those things I tell people on the ground, like tell people like everything you do on the ground is free. So like I want you to, when you put a camera on your head, like I want you to like put it on your head, play, mess around with it on the ground, like and just like play around, with, like just get used to like where your record is, like what it sounds like when it turns on, what it sounds like when you get turned off. Um, yeah, and I think that's the thing is like nobody wants to like try things on the ground. They all want to try like run, jump around, ready when yellow light, and like then then they want to learn it. Um, especially Always. with like. Like field of view um, training too. Like even when you're jumping video and so that are you know some of these smaller cameras, just put your helmet on. Like watch the formation, see how far back you need to do. Uh, now with all these GoPros having like live view, where you can actually watch it on your your cell phone. Walk around the formation with your 
camera helmet on your camera looking through your viewpoint looking through your ring sight and just kind of get used to like how far or how close you need to be how it looks in your ring sight like all that stuff on the ground is free dude uh, and, you know that is the best saying ever that's the first time i've ever heard anybody say that yeah. everything you do on the ground is free <laughs> i mean well now with 33 dollars jump tickets <laughs> it's gotta be like it's right cool. yeah man you stuff it up nowadays and shit's uh it gets expensive i mean not that skydiving was ever cheap but uh with lift tickets getting more expensive and and all hell yeah that's good advice man that's damn good advice yeah what a trunk i tell you what i cannot thank you enough i know it's been tough to to get things set up because you're traveling all the time and you're working your ass off but i really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and tell me about everything everybody needs to go to get hypoxic and check out all the awesome products that you've got going on and we'll see if we can't send a bunch of business your way well thank you very much yeah man. a great time talking to you and i'm, I'm glad we did that yeah man so. you take care of yourself you take care bye now see ya well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, Check out SummitParachuteSystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to FlyawayTN.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available, hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.